Hello, and welcome to Home and Hope. My name is Lauren King, and I have the privilege of serving as the Executive Director for Tarrant County Homeless Coalition. We're so excited to bring you our new podcast called Home and Hope, community conversations about what home means and why it's more important than ever to have hope for our community. Each episode, we'll be exploring different perspectives from people in the community on what it means to have home and hope. Homelessness is not something anyone can solve alone. It's a community issue and will take all of us leaning into difficult conversations so we can move forward together. We have a vision of a vibrant community where everyone has a place to call home. We invite you to join us on this journey by staying tuned every other Friday as we bring discussions to you right here on iTunes and Spotify. Join in the conversation and be part of the solution. Hello, and welcome to Home and Hope, a podcast of Tarrant County Homeless Coalition. I'm Lauren King, Executive Director of the Homeless Coalition. Today, I'm excited to be joined by the senior pastor of Broadway Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Pastor Ryan Price. For decades now, Broadway Baptist Church has responded to people in need in our community through their agape meal, providing sack lunches, room in the inn, and many other ministries. Broadway strives to provide hospitality to all and has a long history of calling people to action, encouraging them to be part of the solution. In addition to his work at church, Pastor Price serves on a number of local boards, including Bright Divinity School's Board of Visitors, Near Southside Inc.'s Board of Directors, and Mayor Price's Faith-Based Cabinet. Pastor Price, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm excited to get this conversation started and to get your perspective on home and hope in our community. Great, Lauren. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be with you. Great work. Yeah, we're happy to have you. So now that people know a little bit about you, and kind of what you do, how do you impact homelessness in our community? Right. So as you were saying, um, Broadway has been uh, a part of addressing issues of homelessness for years. Um, Broadway's actually an institution that's been around since the 1880s. And so we've been somewhere around the near south side Mm -hmm. uh, all of these many decades. And really for uh, the last 40 or so years have been significantly involved in uh, areas addressing homelessness, both uh, on a systemic level uh, and also within uh, more pragmatic boots on the ground kinds of uh, areas as well. And so uh, one thing that we did probably most recently was in 2018, we Broadway served as the temporary emergency overflow shelter for the city of Fort Worth. And so at, during a, a spell, roughly five months, we served as uh, the primary overflow shelter for um, scores and then uh, in excess of 100 persons each night. More usually, though, in more ordinary circumstances, um, our primary effort is with room in the inn. And so I've spent a lot of nights on the ground on cots uh, in the activities wing of our church. And I think that that's an important thing for um, a pastor to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only working collaboratively with organizations like your uh entities like yours, coalitions, organizations, whatever it may be, um, but then also doing the hands-on kind of work as well. And so that keeps us rooted as we're looking to uh, address things on uh, at a systemic level, also being in touch with those who um, homelessness really, truly impacts. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm with you at the coalition. We, um, as a staff, we're, you know, a systems level organization. So we try to make sure that we find different opportunities to get um, back into direct service, just to remind us, you know, why, why we're here. I think it's really important to do that. And it helps me personally ground and be reminded of the why it is that we do what it is that we do. And so um, it, it, it sometimes is more challenging to do so because, uh, you know, you start dealing with things systematically and you're working on big problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that interchange that you have with direct service with people mm-hmm. is so important and it humanizes everything that it is that we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So great transition for us. You've told us a little bit about what you do and how you impact homelessness. So for a bigger question related, what's your why? Why do you do what you do? Oh, you know, you were asking about the why in in sending me the the email that you sent. I really took that to, to be a question not only about homelessness, but um, really about um, all of what I do mm-hmm. as a pastor and um, institution leader, religious leader. And I, I would say that my my big why is the dignity and worth of all human beings. I mean, that's part of the early story uh, that we received from the Jewish tra- tradition of uh, mm-hmm. the breath of life given in all human beings. And for us to be called our brothers and our sisters and our kindred's keepers, um, to, to really recognize that we are truly all made in the image of God. And um, uh, that's the language that, that we speak, but we all have this divine breath of dignity. Mm-hmm. And um, and I said this past Sunday uh, to my church that um, always in the Lenten season, the story about Jesus and the cleansing of the temple takes place. And uh, I think what he was so frustrated about in the temple of Jerusalem at the time in the, the Hebrew prophets were the same. He quotes prophet Jeremiah, but they had lost touch with the with the temple, the sense of the holy place of the people. Mm-hmm. of individuals and uh, and and in fact they were uh exploiting them and oppressing them and their their whole system had been built in such a way that it had just basically forgotten mm. the the most holy temple that there is which is, is the human being and so that's really the why we do everything that we do mm-hmm. is because we believe in uh, all of us being made in the image of God. Mm. Great. Thank you. (laughs) So kind of another big question for you. Okay. (laughs) Uh, We're talking about home and hope and, and people, but what does home mean to you? Home is so intertwined with who we are as people and what our life is. What does home mean to you? Yeah. Home. Uh, for me, and I'm going to answer not only for me, but mm-hmm. for my family, it is a sense of a place where we can be ourselves. 
It is the place where we can own who we are in a full kind of, of way and know that it is um, a, a safe place to do so. And without a sense of home, um, there's this displacement, not only physical displacement, but I think also the potentiality for displacement from, from oneself as well. Mm -hmm. and so, you know, really that's, home um home has been such an important word uh i think for my family um for the american story kind of a search for home having a place of one's own and it's a place where where that dignity that you have can be valued in in in, in a place a whole the holy temple that you are that we are is then um uh, becomes a holy temple in, in a home as well. And, and so that's really what home is all about. And we want to try to create that for people so that they can have that gift of home. Yeah, absolutely. What's something that gives you hope about our community? Oh, you know, I, um, I have really been wrestling this past year um it's it's been a it's it's been such a challenge in um not only what has happened with covid-19 but also what what took place over the summer with the death of George Floyd and the, mm -hmm. the sub subsequent um protests and um the fact that we, so many people were so uh, angry, frustrated about the injustices in, in our community, which both the um, COVID-19 and also the, the death of George Floyd, I think revealed to many people. I just, it, it unveiled the, the, the mm -hmm. curtain, it's pulled back and you could see Who's being Im impacted disproportionately? Who's being oppressed here? Who's being treated in a way that their own dignity is not being mm -hmm. honored? And so, um, one thing that I think gives me hope is that we're we're having conversations uh, about that. Mm -hmm. uh, our our church is having con honest conversations not only about all the all the good things that Broadway has done. We've mm -hmm. been around since the 1880s. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, we were the church that stayed after um, white flight and urban renewal and all of those kinds of things. It, those are really important things. But then there's also the other side of we were a primarily white. Well, we were a solely white institution for mm -hmm. the first 70 years of our institutional life. Mm -hmm. And we are having conversations about that. Really important conversations mm -hmm. about what that meant, how that shaped us, why it is that we are today. Those kinds of things are happening not only in our institution, but they're happening in other institutions as well. I see TCU as having those same kind mm -hmm. of conversations. And there is a new fund that the North Texas Community Foundation's put together called the Fund to Advance Racial Equity. 
Mm-hmm. And that tells me that that people with the power to do something, what's in our hands to do something, mm-hmm. are beginning to say, I have a responsibility here. Perhaps I've been complicit here. What white people are saying this. Mm-hmm. Um, people of privilege are saying this. I have a responsibility to make some kind of change. And I, so in that sense, I see it's a, it's a hopeful moment because I think there's been some honesty and a lot of people don't want to hear that. And, you know, they're turning the channel or um, dialing out or, or getting angry. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, that's part of it also. That's probably, that's part of the risk, mm-hmm. but this is how change happens. And, and that is what I see as most hopeful in this moment that we're in right now is we're daring to have some pretty hard conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think anytime we grapple with any kind of significant social issue, right. That, um, yeah, people are going to experience anger. They're going to experience discomfort. We often talk about specific to homelessness that, um, a lot of my staff has said, oh, when I tell people I work in homelessness, it's a conversation stopper. Like people don't know how to react to that. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting. Uh-huh. But, you know, I almost think that people want to feel like homelessness is so far away from them. But in reality, when they start to think about it, it's like, ooh, it's not so far away from me. I know someone who had the same story or, you know, my friend's son had this happen to him or that sort of thing. And it's like, oh, it's a little bit too close for comfort. And you know, how do we, how do we grapple with those things? So, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, there, there's a reason why, you know, I, I trade in these biblical stories or I kind of think in them mm-hmm. uh, and we all have our own kinds of sacred stories or whatever, but, but that leper story, like let's put them outside and there, mm-hmm. there's an understanding of that. And the, the moment somebody draws that near, it's like, Oh my goodness, I wasn't ready for that. Your, your defenses go up. And, uh, <laughs> I remember my wife and I, uh, Irie, were with our young daughter when we had um, we had a child, uh, first child. It, we were in Boston walking down the street. And there was a homeless man there, and um, he he was looking at our daughter, and I was thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, oh, I hope he doesn't touch her. I'm not, really, really mm. concerned about that. And then suddenly she just reached out her arms and, and grabbed a hold of his hands in this very human moment. Mm-hmm. And... I was like, what was I really afraid of? Mm, yeah, very true. What? I I missed this. I could have missed this human moment. Mm. And um, and for me, you know, again, you must change and become like a child. I mean, to allow. Mm to not see that, that so much of that difference, what she saw was the human being. Mm-hmm. And all yeah. I saw was a, was a homeless person mm-hmm. or a threat, even though he wasn't. Right. Wow. That's powerful. And, and so, you know, it, um, but we all, <laughs> she taught, she, she taught me a lot in that moment you mm-hmm. know, uh, about not just, human dignity, but also about God. Mm, Yeah. So we often talk about that often people who are experiencing homelessness need a second chance. You know, everyone's story leads them to where they are. Right. And, and 
including you and I, and people experiencing homelessness are, are the same. Their story in life has led them to where they are. So when we say they need a second chance, I'll ask you, what's the best second chance you ever received? Uh, when you ask me that, my, my mind immediately returns to um, the days after I graduated from seminary. Um, I went to, sem- I don't know why I went to seminary. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be anything but a pastor. And I would like go to the local pub in Durham, North Carolina. And uh, somebody would ask me, I would say, instead of saying I was studying divinity, I'd say theology, which sort of sounded a little more like philosophy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I go and I graduate and, um, uh, and I'm planning to go to law school. And it's all just basically, um, I wasn't ready to surrender, you know, to kind of say, um, I mean, I think that surrender language is important for me because I, mm-hmm. I, I come out of a, um, a lot of experience with the, with the 12 step program and just, um, mm-hmm. uh, the, a sense of, of, um, yielding in humility. And, um, I was going to go to law school and, it was about the time when like 9-11 had just happened not, not too long ago before that. And then like all of the like anthrax scare was was taking place. Mm-hmm. You probably remember some of that. And I was actually working in a congressional office at the time. And um, um, a plane was flying in for Ronald Reagan's funeral and it, and it accidentally flew into the uh, no-fly zone of Washington, D.C. And suddenly at the Capitol, it's like, everybody's jumping up and the bells and whistles are going off and mm-hmm. we have this thing called the, the evac pack and we're running. And I was, I mean, I really thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I was scared. And the reason why I realized I was scared is because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. Hmm. I, I was running from death, but I was running from God, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, from kind of where I was. And so it, I was supposed to report for law school in like three weeks. And then I just turned back and went down to Durham and moved into in with like an 80 year old man from my church uh, who needed some help. And it was mm-hmm. it was a humbling experience yeah. uh, and uh, quit, quit going to the pub and um <laughs> Uh, it was kind of my time of, uh, in, in, in our, in, in the church world, we might say saved, uh, but it, it was a time of, um, a second chance that I think saved my life. Oh, wow. Wow. So Everybody kind of do what? Everybody should get that. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Or a third. I completely agree. So <laughs> say, oh, we talked about a second chance. It could be a fourth, fifth, and, and that's okay. Um, so kind of on that transformative note, um, tell me about a person, either, you know, someone in a congregation or just someone you've worked with or, or whatever it may be in, in your life who touched your heart, which I'm sure there are, are a number of those. Um, and then also maybe one who, who changed how you practice, whether it be how you practice life in general, how you practice ministry. Um, what's something significant there that's happened? 
Yeah. Um, um, I'll start with the latter. Mm -hmm. uh, words are so important. And the language we use is so important. And I think one of the things I've recognized as an institution leader within um, our world, the, the language that we carry can, it has the power to, to give life and, and also to take it. Mm. And, um, you know, I, 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 we use a lot of language within our work that is uh, sometimes har harmful. Um, there are words in the Bible that mm -hmm. um, we have to take account for. And, and the things that have really taught me that is uh, I do a little daily like Facebook meditation and just recognize that I have people listening that are not just Christians. Uh -huh. And when the book of John says the Jews did this or the Jews did that, how do they hear that? Mm -hmm. Or in the lectionary, when something appears and it says slaves obey your masters, um, how are we taking responsibility for those, for those words? Mm -hmm. and, and that's true, not only with, with holy texts, but also uh, I think with the language that, that we use, um, the the dignity that we give someone when they say my gender is x mm -hmm. and we treat them how we would wish to be treated mm -hmm. so that, that's that's Absolutely. i think that's been a really important change not only on sunday mornings but really throughout the the, the institutional life of, mm -hmm. of our congregation our our policies Mm. Uh, who, how we affirm people in our language, um, our signage. I mean, just, you know, throughout just saying, are we recognizing the dignity of people? Mm -hmm. um, someone who's changed my heart. Uh, I, I, I got my early start with, uh, with what might be called urban ministry mm -hmm. or uh, ministry with uh, kids from very low socioeconomic uh, areas, uh, primarily African American and Hispanic, mm -hmm. and um, had a number of kids die by gun violence mm -hmm. in, um, in that time. And um, one of the first that, who, who was killed um, was a young man named Tony, and. Um, I'll never forget uh, Tony had been one of, you know, we call them our kids. Uh, mm -hmm. They basically were in our youth group, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And uh, after he graduated from high school, he was, uh, he was killed in um, uh, uh, some kind of altercation that took place out in, front, in the front yard. And um, basically what had happened is um, a kid pulled a gun on Tony, Tony dared him to pull the trigger. And it was like, they just couldn't, Neither one of them could be vulnerable. <laughs> they were 20, mm -hmm. 19, 20 years old, you know, and right. just, um, ratcheting up and challenging each other. And it was it, it was in a shame context where the other kid pulled the trigger because he was dared and mm. would have been shameful in that context, not to. So um, 
Tony's grandmother in the newspaper two days later says Tony wasn't afraid to die. He was afraid to live. Hmm. And that really, really shaped me for like 10 years, just thinking on that. And um, one day um, I was preaching about that as a kind of what that means to me. Mm -hmm. And the grandmother of the son of the assailant came up to me and said, I think I know I need to tell you something. I think I know who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it began a a profound relationship for me um, with the son of the assailant who was uh, still incarcerated. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And um, really became for me a transformative moment because I realized how much anger I had Mm, mm -hmm. towards his father Mm -hmm. towards the system, but sort of manifest in, you know, the, and, and um, that has been a transformative story for me because um that that young man, the the son, is now uh, planning on going to seminary. Oh wow! And it, it's just a reminder for me, like why I do this, why I'm, you know, part of the, every everybody has human worth and value. Mm-hmm. Tony, Tony, I don't know I had a chance to fully see that. Hmm. Uh, the 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 assailant that didn't necessarily either, but he himself is on his own journey, mm-hmm. coming to see that now. And then the son also, who is just this beautiful, beautiful human being who is so tender and is mm-hmm. so good, and mm-hmm. it's just a reminder that uh, you know you never know how a life's going to turn out. And uh, Desmond Tutu, uh, I named, we named our middle son after him. Um, mm. Daniel Desmond. Uh, I was going to go for Tutu, but my wife's like, no, that's not, uh, not in America. We don't, uh, we don't know how that's going to be received. So it's Daniel Desmond. And, um, but Desmond Tutu has had such a impact on, on me. And he wrote a book called, no future without forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And um, there has to be forgiveness and reconciliation in the, and you used that word earlier, hope mm-hmm. um, for where it is that we're headed. And that's not just for individual isolated cases like this one, um, but it's it's really what, what we're hoping for, for our, our country mm-hmm. in our whole world. Yeah, that's really interesting that you say that. We often say in homelessness that, you know, often people don't consider their, themselves homeless. Um, they may be moving around from place to place and that sort of thing. They don't consider themselves homeless, truly homeless, until those relationships are gone. And so, 
there's one homeless uh, person who's in homeless services that says, you know, homelessness is ultimately a profound loss of relationship. And we recognize that often people have, you know, it would take forgiveness to rebuild those bridges and, and reconciliation to, you know, to really make those relationships and, uh, you know, just create stronger family systems, if it may be, or communities or whatever. So, yeah, that's really, really interesting. So, um, so uh, and, Frederick oh, Beekner says um, that we can, we can learn to be strong by ourselves, um, but we can't learn to be human. Mm. And um, that's back to that uh, Desmond Tutu in the Ubuntu, Ubuntu uh, tradition, mm-hmm. uh, South African tradition of Ubuntu means the human in me sees the human in you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know who I am because of who you are. Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely true that we find our home in relationship. We find mm-hmm. who we are in relationship. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my seminary professors, one of them said, that's why God gave us belly buttons to remind us that we, <laughs> we came from. Uh-huh. <laughs> I kind of like true. <laughs> and the only one who didn't have one was Adam. Right. And it wasn't yeah. good for him to be alone either. So, yeah. Very true. Uh, yeah. Huh. Okay. So in your opinion, what is one thing people can do to impact homelessness in our community? Uh, I, okay. What, I'm going to go with two. Okay. Um, two. One is to support supportive housing in uh, various contexts, wherever it may be, in your own, we might say, in your own backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. It's really important that we think uh, about how we might approach that and, and everybody understand that there's there's place enough throughout this whole city or community, whatever it may be, whoever's listening mm-hmm. um, to, to make a space for that. And then the second thing I think would be to give personally to organizations um, that are working to address homelessness systemically Mm -hmm. uh, up and down the ladder from the boots on the ground, all the way up to Mm -hmm. um, policy issues and to uh, encourage organizations you belong to uh, Mm. to do the same. I think it's, you know, we, we can't do this alone. (laughs) And (laughs) I mean, it takes a whole lot of uh, churches and organizations and individuals and municipal bodies uh, working together. And, you know, that's a really huge critical piece is the policy piece. And Mm -hmm. so it it has to be up and down. So the one thing is in your own backyard, Mm -hmm. uh, making space. And then the other thing is contributing financially so that, uh, we can work together to harness our, the the collective power, Mm -hmm. um, to, to really change things. Uh, those, those are huge things, uh, practical things. The, the underlying thing is see people mm. and um, don't be so afraid if uh, your daughter touches them. <laughs> yeah. They're human too. Yeah, absolutely. We're all human. So we're going to end on a bit of a lighter note. I okay, asked this good. question for everyone. I it wasn't like a downer or something, but uh, <laughs> 
what's the theme song to your life? Oh, uh, you know, I was just like, okay, I don't know that I really have a theme song to my life, but I just have this like image of um, coming out in a um, ball game. Uh, uh, it's like the relief picture and suddenly the, the theme music comes on, right? Uh-huh. And I'm just like so hyped up on Willie Nelson's version of Ain't Gonna Let Him Catch Me, Midnight Rider. So I like Midnight Rider. I don't okay. know. It's just like this. Uh, okay. That's just the dream I have if I were uh, a major league pitcher. Uh, my dad used to say, you can't, if you can't uh, bunt, you can't play baseball. So uh, I could bunt, but I still couldn't play baseball. So that's not going to happen. Um, mine, my true one, it's amazing grace. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of a hard one because, you know, I mean, uh, John Newton was a slave trader. Mm. Who became a, who, who, who became a Christian. And it still took him like six years to figure out that he didn't belong on a slave ship. Mm. Hmm. And um, it took uh, it took a long, long time for him to to really speak out. But when he spoke out uh, against the slave trade, it, the institution of the slave trade in, in Britain, it mattered. And mm-hmm. so, you know, th- those words, I I know a lot's been made of like cancel culture or whatever. And I, I don't want to get into that argument. I understand this is a guy who wrote a song that, I mean, it took him a while to really have his eyes opened, mm. but I do think I do, I do believe in second chances mm-hmm. and I do believe in conversion. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another way of saying I, I do believe in people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That was meaningful, impactful. Thank you for that. But Midnight Ride is pretty good too. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so I'll wrap it up. Um, but Pastor Price, I want to say thank you again for joining me today for this important conversation. Um, we'll make sure to link any resources we talked about um, in the podcast description, and we'll make sure we share that information with the community. So you touched on it, but time and time again, at the Homeless Coalition, we talk about the fact that homelessness will not be solved by any one nonprofit alone. It will take a community effort and everyone being part of the solution, whatever that means for people. So I so appreciate um, everything that Broadway does for our community and, and you taking time today to talk with me. So make sure to join me again in two weeks as we continue this conversation and get another perspective on home and hope in our community. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Lauren. This has been fun.